If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. The 5 o'clock show. Our number one show in the city, in the country, and on the East Coast at least. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a a TriCast. We're broadcasting out of WABC Radio uh, 770 on your dial, and we WLIR, we're streaming them, and 970 AM, The Answer. And in the studio here today, we have one common-sense Democrat, Judge Richard Weinberg, two common-sense Democrats, and governor, and governor, Governor David Patterson, and only one common-sense Republican. I'm outnumbered. And we have <laughs> Ed, <laughs> and, and a Cox, governor, too. <laughs> a judge and a governor, you're in between. And uh, Lydia Serrano is back. And I'm not Lydia, common sense. Tell us about today. You independent. I got common sense, and I'm an independent because uh, that's just how I roll. Um, as a journalist, you want to be an independent registered, so that's how I am. But we've got a great show, and we got a rumor that we're going to dispel with Governor Patterson momentarily. We also have some breaking news coming up with General David Petraeus. We'll also be speaking with Tom Harris of the Times Square Alliance, Charlie Gasparino to talk about Elon Musk and what that means for democracy, free speech. But on the line with us right now, Pulitzer Prize-winning writer, Columnist for the New York Post, his latest column after latest bloodbath. Time is running out for Hochul and Adams to save New York City. None other than Michael Goodwin. Hi, Michael. How are you? Uh, Good evening, Lydia. Thank you all. So tell us about your latest uh, column. It's not looking good for New York City. The Brooklyn subway attack. We're seeing all of the shootings. I mean, I don't know how much more New Yorkers can take. They're fleeing in mass. Well, you're right. Uh, the and I think the uh, I would put the the problem in two categories. Uh, the uh, subway incident is horrific, and it's a, it's the stuff of nightmares for every New Yorker trapped in a subway with a madman with a gun and smoke canisters and who knows what else. Uh, and you're trapped. The cars are moving. The cars are locked. I mean, I. Years ago, I went back and forth with Peter Calico when he was head of the MTA uh, about these locked doors. And this one, the the, the R46 cars, they're called, They, they, they don't buy them anymore, but they're somewhat longer than the normal car. And so the reason they keep them locked at the ends is because anybody passing between while they're between cars while the train was making a turn, there's a gap that opens uh, larger than normally. And so you would be in danger of falling. Um, And it was also an issue with kids climbing on top of the cars and they call it surfing. And uh, they were trying to stop that by keeping the doors locked. But. You know, during the terror era, uh, when we all feared another big terror attack, that was that was a, a frightening scenario to be trapped. And here we are. This is now le- legally a terrorist case, 
and people were trapped in the car. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff of, of nightmares for everybody. You can always, we can all imagine ourselves being there, someone we loved, and what would, what would go through your mind? I mean, just thinking about that is, is scary. Um, so that, that is one kind of situation. The other is that day by day by day, these shootings, 12, 14, 15 shootings every day, I mean, it's a remarkable scene that's going on out there with so much gunfire. And, of course, that doesn't get to the, you know, the smaller crimes, the, the, the car, not as small to those who are the victims, but car theft, robberies, uh, you know, and then the quality of life. So uh, there are the most serious and frightening. Then there's this daily drip, drip, drip of violence and, and, and theft that I think is just out of control. And the governor and the mayor, I think, have all been saying the right things, but they haven't clearly done enough yet. I mean, as I say in the piece, to me, enough will be when the cops know that the politicians have their backs and the perps know that the politicians have the backs of the cops. Then the cops can do their jobs, which we know they know how to do, uh, and the, and and the political and the criminal class will will get the message that this is serious and you're, there are going to be consequences and then their behavior will change. I mean, but we're a long way from that because there's just so many doubts now about the politicians. The cops don't trust them by and large. The cops don't believe the Pauls will have their backs, and the, and the perps know they can get away with it all. And if they get arrested, the judges will be forced to release them. So I just think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in convincing every step of the process that this time is different. And that ha- we haven't arrived there yet. Well, Ed Cox here, well, it should be different. Uh, Mayor Adams was elected primarily on the safety theme, so, and he's been pushing it hard. So why doesn't that give more confidence in, uh, in the people, in what's, what's going on in the direction it's going to be going? And Michael Goodwin, I want you to take a listen to hear what Mayor Adams said uh, last night regarding BLM. And he couldn't be more right. And I think he needs lawmakers to back him up. Take a listen. Why are 16, 17 and 18 year olds out in our streets armed with guns 12, 1 o'clock at night? When are we going to start asking these serious questions? If Black Lives Matter, then the thousands of people I saw on the street when Floyd was murdered should be on the street right now stating that the lives of these black children that are dying every night matters. We can't be hypocrites. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's... uh... He's he's on to something there. That's obviously the right position that, you know, who is being killed? It's black and and brown New Yorkers. That's who are the victims and that's who are primarily the perpetrators. Um, But as he says, where are the demonstrations? Where where are where are those people who, you know, wanted to defund the police and everything? Why aren't they out there protesting these murders? Uh, So he's. Uh, to, to your to your question, Ed, I think that it's going to take time. It's going to take some time for these measures to take hold. The anti-gun units, for example, for for the judge for the whole 
bail system to be clearly fixed and where people believe, the cops believe, that somebody they arrest is not going to be back out on the street while they're still filling out paperwork. Uh, I just think there are steps in this process that are not convinced about this mayor and this governor. I, I believe they're doing the right things, but they have not yet done the things that will change this culture that has developed over the last three years. Mike, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me point out to you the so-called changes to the bail reform law and the, uh, the adult prosecution age and other discovery issues. They really weren't touched in this budget. That's number one. They just did a little bit of window dressing to try to politically right. to cover it up. That's number one. Number two, they were already pushing on a state bill in the state legislature to uh, abolish the qualified immunity protection for police officers, the same kind of idiocy that the New York City Council passed. They now want to do this statewide. So the messaging there is they still haven't gotten the truth out, which is that we're under siege There's a lawless community out there, and we have to do something to protect civilization. And Michael Goodwin, except for the New York Post and you have Fox News and, of course, WABC, no one else is sounding the alarm for what is really going on. Could you imagine if Frank James, a subway alleged, excuse me, subway shooter, had been a Trump supporter? Could you imagine that? They'd be talking about it nonstop. Nobody's even talking about the fact that he was racist. Nobody's talking about the fact that he was a black nationalist, that he was a BLM supporter, a supporter of the Black Liberation Association or whatever the heck is going on. Until we face the truth of what is really going on, we can't solve the problem. Right, Michael Goodwin? I agree with you that uh, that there's there's ducking and dodging everywhere about what what this issue involves. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've always uh, felt was a very important part of it was, of course, uh, out of wedlock births. Uh, you know, you've got roughly 70 percent uh, of black uh, babies being born out of wedlock. You've got overall in the city and the state now, I believe in the state, it's something like 45 percent of total babies are born out of wedlock. I mean, so you just have these basically these households that do not function as a nuclear family. I mean, if the chances of, of a couple staying together uh, once they've had a child without being married are slim. I mean, it does happen. And look, I don't mean to diminish these single mothers who are heroes in many, many cases. Uh, but the but the statistics don't lie that being raised without, you know, being raised in a single parent household uh, is something of a disability when it comes to school, when it comes to behavior. I mean, Tony Dungy, the uh, former football coach and now a broadcaster, has talked about this issue a lot. And he got in hot water just this week for raising it again, about the need for a two-parent family to effectively and successfully raise children. Senator Moynihan, when he wrote the book Beyond the Melting Pot, talked about that issue, and he was declared to be a racist because he raised that issue. Of course. Yeah. Benign neglect. Right. Yeah. And benign mean. neglect. He did the same thing and yeah. got the same criticism. Yeah. Look, I mean, these are difficult issues. I mean, Michael Bloomberg, near the end of his tenure, briefly ran a series of subway ads about encouraging people not to get 
get pregnant, before they get married, before they finish school themselves. It was really about teen pregnancy and the odds of what happened. He took a lot of heat, but Robert Doerr, who was then the the Stephen Banks of his day, uh, although a successful one, Doerr was, pressed Bloomberg to do this, and he finally got it done. And I once asked Bloomberg about it. He said, you know, nobody can touch that. Um, I mean, Michael, that's, uh, this that's David, the way society feels about that topic. This, this David Patterson, is is that the Robert Durer who was once the school board uh, chancellor in the city years ago? No, no. This uh, he, he now runs a think tank in Washington, maybe American Enterprise or, uh, or one of those. Yeah, that's, oh. it's, it's AEI, and he's the son of John Doerr, interestingly, and yeah. really very good on the welfare and other issues. Yes. Well, the concern, too, is like instead of us focusing on making sure the kids have to after school programs, that the kids come to school, there's a 40 percent absenteeism rate here in New York City alone. Kids and no, and there's no repercussions for it. me. I went to Catholic school. If I rolled up my skirt, I got a day of detention, and that's the problem too. It's and and to your point, Judge Weinberg, didn't you say that the whole welfare system is de incentivizing success? That's exactly right, because they, they want to get their own welfare check, generation after generation after generation. So the whole system is geared to uh, destroying uh, black middle class. Now there is some, and, and, and you will see some uh, black conservative thinkers and writers um, who who will have written about that, that the idea that uh, that the welfare system replaced the black father uh, is is a is a well regarded idea among a lot of conservatives that it disincentivized marriage because you you lost the benefit in many cases, or it was reduced if there were two men in the house. So you could have a relationship, but you couldn't live together and you couldn't be married. I mean, that's effectively what welfare required for you to get the full benefit. Uh, so th- those those sorts of social policies and, and Michael Bloomberg's line that nobody can touch this subject, uh, I mean, I think that's sort of where we are. And, uh, you know, David, you mentioned Moynihan. I mean, you think how long ago that was, and yet the problem has only gotten worse. And I think one of the things he said in relation to that was this, the future is spoken for, meaning that we know these children are going to have a difficult time integrating into society. It's going to be harder for them, and many of them won't be able to do it, and then they'll turn to this to the dark side, to drugs, to crime, to, there'll be dropouts. I mean, it was predicted, and, uh, and here we are. That's we why, haven't been able to fix it. Michael, that's why I've worked for PAL for the last uh, 38 years uh, helping the kids of the inner city, and I've said it uh, publicly. I said, we got to help the kids of the inner city, our kids, our American citizens, our blacks, our browns, and before we worry about the people of South America or the people of Africa, you know, we can worry about them, too. But let's take care of, of our kids first or our kids in, uh, uh, in, in Bedford-Stuyvesant. Uh, Governor Patterson, what say you? Well, I think right now the real problems in the city relate more to sentencing guidelines and people who – you, every time somebody does something, you hear, well, he had six prior arrests. Some people had 42 prior arrests. All right. And I think that the sentencing is the real major uh, issue. The political ideas of people who shoot up the subway, where they were 
with Trump or with Black Lives Matter don't make a difference to me because the real problem is that there's psychopathic killers and need to be taken off the streets. Now, Michael, there is a ray of hope on this. The new chancellor of the school system, David Banks, 20 years ago started a thing called Eagle Academies only for black high school guys to deal specifically with this problem. And he and he has proved to be successful with it. And he is now running the whole school system. And it's a good appointment. And maybe that's uh, some hope for the future. It takes a long time to turn around a school system with a million kids. On the other hand, I couldn't think of anyone better to deal with this problem than David Banks. And and just to point out, you could be purple. You can be white. If you are raised in a single-family home with drugs surrounding you in poverty, you are going to probably end up either in jail or in the morgue. And so it has nothing to do with the fact that these kids are black or brown. It has to do with this kind of... You know, lawlessness and this, uh, you know, kids are just allowed, like Mayor Adams said before, what is a 16, 15, 14-year-old doing at 2 o'clock in the morning? Where's- right. And, and, and his point about where are the protesters, I mean, just imagine that if, if everybody felt that way, that this is not acceptable, uh, you know, that, that we would then have a different culture. But, uh, look, I, I think that uh, – to, to Ed's point about banks, yeah, I agree. Um, and also the charters, some of the charters are doing remarkable work, too. Well, Michael. Uh, and we're seeing what they require is longer days, no teachers union, uh, and uh, more days in school. They're getting about sometimes as much as 25% more hours in the classroom than are the regular public schools. Oh, Michael, you've just hit my favorite subject. What if... The schools started at uh, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, and they kept the kids until 6 o'clock. Our problem in this city is that we're still operating from the agrarian calendar of 1880. The problem is that the the kids get out of school at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Either both parents are working, or most likely the single parent is working, so there are very few stay-at-home moms in New York City anymore. So these kids, they don't come home when they're 10 or 11 years old. They come home and maybe they eat too much ice cream and they don't do their homework. By the time they're 13, 14, 15, they're doing a whole lot of things that we're unaware of because we're not near them. And that would be the biggest shot in the arm we could give to kids is to lengthen the school day, as a lot of the charter schools have, keep them in a place where they're protected, and stop wasting time on these after-school programs well, we could build that into the education system itself. That sounds like a platform, David. Do you ever think about <laughs> well, going into politics? Well, uh, yes, yes I, there's a rumor around that Kathy <laughs> Hochul has asked him to be the new lieutenant governor. <laughs> we want your thoughts right? on that, Michael. <laughs> well, can you, you confirm or deny? I'm glad you laughed, governor, Michael. Would, would, you, would, you, would you accept or uh, not accept? You As LBJ once said, I will not seek or accept the nomination of my party for lieutenant governor. (laughs) (laughs) Been there, done that. Been there, done that. Well, thank you so much, Michael Goodwin. Thank you so much for everything that you do. We look forward to speaking to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you all. And when we come back from the break, we're going to have Charlie Gasparino. What the heck is going on with Elon Musk? Is he going to change America's Twitter culture from the woke culture Back to the common sense culture. 
A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. We're back, and uh, this is John Katsimatidis, and a lot of things happening in the financial world today. One of them being that Elon Musk has made an offer of $54 for Twitter. The problem is nobody believes it. With us today is Charlie Gasparino. Charlie, tell us what the heck is going on. Well, it's not that no one believes it. No one believes that at that price it'll be accepted. I mean, listen, there's a Twitter meeting going on almost as we speak, so uh, be prepared for headlines to pop across. Uh, I think I think the management is going to brief um, uh, employees on what the what the board uh, decided to do, whether they're going to formally accept or reject this offer. My guess is they're going to reject it, and they have good reasons to reject it. They, I mean, at least good reasons uh, legally. They could say, listen, Elon Musk is not is, is bidding only $54 a share. We think the price could be higher. It's uh, traded as high as 73 in the last year. Uh, also, he faces, and it's stuff that I've reported today on Cavuto at Fox Business, he faces a ton of uh, of regulatory issues, they can say you know he might not. Be, they can they can make a good case that he might not be the right guy to buy the company. That he's going to be under a cloud of scrutiny from the SEC and the DOJ based on a lot of stuff uh, and regarding his management of Twitter, which some of it's been disclosed. But what I reported is that there is an active uh, DOJ SEC investigation into joint investigation into into Elon and public statements he's made in the past about Twitter and whether they matched reality. And, so and the SEC has gone after him on that. Well, they right. got after him, uh, but, you know, but, you know uh, separately on another issue, and but, so that's, but that's Charlie, still hanging Charlie, out there. Because of what he's doing with the government and what he's doing with NASA, the SEC was told go fly a kite and don't bother our client. Well, they did bother him though. Well, not too much. And so, now it's a different SEC. Now you got the, it's the Biden administration. It's 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 a bunch of woke people, and uh, you know. I, he's gonna—he's literally gonna face the the wrath of the government if, with this thing. Now, he may think he can win. You know, knowing him, he's won in the past. So, and he's a smart guy, and he's tenacious, and he's got two hundred fifty billion dollars. So, you know, he's got the—he's got the capital to fight. But it's gonna this this thing. We're in the fifth inning here. Uh, the company is gonna again. The company, I think, is gonna say no. Um, he could dump his shares. I mean, here's an interesting scenario. He dumps his shares, stock goes down, then he announces that he's going to pay even. He's going. He comes back and says, "My uh, my my offer is now at sixty billion dollars. No, sixty dollars a share. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. He ups it just a little bit, even as the stock goes down more. And you know, or you know, the stock goes down more and he buys more. There's a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, the journal wrote a piece that said they're considering some sort of an anti-takeover defense mechanism known as a poison pill. There's no doubt, Charlie Ed Cox. They'll put that in, and uh, and the but in the end, I bet you they don't do it. An all cash offer is very hard to. Yeah, to I fight. know. That's the problem. I they'll put the the poison pill in. But remember what happens when you do a poison pill. You literally screw your own shareholders. That's why it's never exercised. You dilute, yeah. you dilute <laughs> Elon Musk by diluting your shareholders. So I don't know if they want to go there. They they had a hard enough time getting the stock up from this. You know, There was a time when Twitter was trading like at $12 a share. I mean, it, it bounced back, and they're doing better, and they're innovating. But 
Do they really want to dilute their shareholders that much if this guy is willing to pay all cash between sixty and seventy dollars a share? And isn't that a breach of the fiduciary duty? And who are these people that want to uh, uh, dilute? I mean, who are they? I mean, no, they the, only the board, own a few John, percentage the way the, board, the way a poison pill works, to prevent Elon from accumulating a, a chunk of the company, what you do is you issue more shares, and you issue shares at a discount to existing shareholders, and they get more shares, thus Elon's stake is, is worth less and he has less power. That's how you. That's that's essentially how you but, do uh, it, Charlie. I don't think there's ever been a poison pill that's actually been exercised. It's just there, and the threat of it's it there. Yes, is bargaining it. power yeah. to to the board. Right. Uh, yeah. No, you might be right. I mean, I haven't heard about it in years because it was a 1980s thing that uh, you know Marty Lipton at Watson exactly. created. <laughs> I, I haven't heard about it because there's not a lot of hostile takeovers anymore. No. Right. Wall Street firms generally don't engage in that. Because they have clients on both sides, so it's this is this is a great story. I mean, it's just like I mean, I can go on and on and talk about. But it. Would they allow him to change the culture? If the he whole owns culture it, of if Twitter, he takes it private, he will change the culture. Yes, he yes. Will. And what's yes. wrong with that? To have free speech to allow people to talk I'm, and not listen, and not I'm be canceled because you I'm disagree with them. I mean, I'd love him to be running Twitter. I mean, you know, I mean, just as a user, the things he said get rid of the trolls. Right? He wants to make real accounts. You have to. Put some sort of you have to pay a little, maybe a dollar, maybe put a credit card in there, so you make sure that you're not some, so you can be traced. If you do if you threaten to kill, I mean, I get I get death threats on Twitter. I'm telling you, it's scary stuff sometimes. Wow. Um, but but you know, so he's threatened to do that. He wants to do some features that make it a lot more user friendly with an edit button, and and on top of it all. He he will entertain both sides of the, of the political aisle. He's a free speech absolutist. You can't knock him for that. But there's a lot of stuff. You know, he attracts a lot of flies. This dude. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just you know he's got the Justice Department and the SEC bearing down his back. I mean, I, I've been talking to a source that has firsthand knowledge of that investigation. They are clearly. They 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 would love to get him on something. And the Biden administration hates him. Right. Absolutely. Speaking of the Biden administration, uh, Charlie, did you hear what President Biden said just a short time ago regarding inflation? I want to get your take on it. Take a listen. Seventy percent of the increase in inflation was a consequence of Putin's price hike because of the impact on oil prices. Seventy percent. We need we need to address these high prices and urgently. Is that accurate? It's not accurate. Sounds like a desperate politician, Charlie. So nuts. I mean, 70%. How does he know it's 70%? He also claimed to be a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania, and he never taught a single class. The guy's lost it. I mean, you know, Joe Biden at this point is almost – it's unbearable because at this point, given what's at stake, you really need someone that knows what's coming out of his mouth. I mean, it it was scary enough with Trump, but he wasn't this bad. I mean, God. You know, Donald was not – Let's face it, Donald was not senile. His problem was like whatever <laughs> popped in his head came out of his mouth sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but at least he, he had some he good policies, Charlie. Like, he wasn't like mentally deficient. I mean, this is – you really start thinking when you start listening to Biden and, you know, that there's something not – you know, the trains aren't good. The elevator's not going to the top floor sometimes. Charlie, uh, one last question. And uh, uh, what, what happened uh, – Biden is not going to open up North America – for fuel. And that's the answer to control. So, so he's responsible for 70% of the uh, inflation. Thank you. Well, that is. 
And you know what? You know, instead of opening up North America and bringing down the fuel prices, take, taking care of inflation. Now, what he's doing is increasing interest rates, which is the the other thing to do. But he's increasing interest rates at a pace where right well, now the, the thirty Fed is year the Fed is going to increase interest the thirty rates. year mortgage is over five percent, and you know what's going to happen. The next thing you're going to kill is the real estate industry. Well, you know, here's the problem, John. They waited so long yeah. to normalize things. Housing prices are so unaffordable right now for most people. And you know, when you get into this, when you get into this situation where you can't afford homes, you keep bidding them up. You just auto. You're, you're just creating the seeds of another financial crisis. It, this, these meme stocks, these stupid investments, people have thrown all their money in because they're searching for yield. The only way to get through that is through since they built it up this much and they they meaning for the large part is the fed keep, keep as they print money and create all this liquidity you know they missed the boat on this thing uh and uh now america's gonna have to pay for if it if they a little kill bit. the real estate industry and everything associated with it then that's when you're looking for a uh, recession we're gonna get a recession john i mean yeah. it's gonna we're gonna have a, at least a slowdown that's fairly significant it, you're gonna have to I just don't know how we go through another year of, of asset prices when things aren't worth anything trading at the levels they trade at. That that is not normal, and it's only do, they're only it's only doing this because the Fed has printed money left and right. So now the Post is reporting that a private equity giant, I saw that. yeah, Tamo Bravo, is working on a possible bid for Twitter. Uh, I wonder. I, I wonder. I mean, do they have the money? To, you know, private equity. You know, is. Uh, I mean, why, why, why did it take Elon to, to wake him up? To it's wake a him good up. time I, to get I, a little... I, I'm dubious mm, of, of that. Yeah. I don't know um, either. You yeah. know, here's the thing. I, I don't, I'm not dubious of a bidding war. I'm not dubious that Twitter is going out seeking partners. But think about who might buy Twitter. The Biden Justice Department hates Musk, right? But they hate yeah. Amazon, Apple, Google. They hate all the, even all the woke techies. They think they're taking over the world. Elizabeth Warren will go nuts. I mean, so who's left to buy Twitter if it's not Musk? I guess it could be private equity. You know, you throw a bunch of money. Well, isn't Elliott Partners part of that uh, original uh, buy-in? They might have been. Yeah. Uh, that's your, your test of my memory. Yeah, yeah. From 19, what was that? When did they go public? 2015? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but in any event, you know, the uh, I, I'm just saying there's not a lot, a lot, you know, if you take tech out of this thing, there's not a lot of buys. Is Disney really going to buy a platform where I mean you got to see you know you see some of the garbage that's on Twitter. It's not safe for work. They, you know it's, the Disney brand just doesn't mesh with that. So then I know Salesforce take a look at it. They I don't know if they had the capital. Again, you take out all those tech guys because of the Justice Department and the FTC and the FCC hates big tech and Elizabeth Warren. There's not a lot of buyers other than private equity and, and someone like Elon. Well, and thank I don't know you. if Thomas Brova has the money to do. I have no idea. Charlie, thank, thank, you, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to have to take a, uh, a break right now. We've got General Petraeus with some breaking news on the other okay. one. Oh, you got it. Talk thank to you guys. You. Breaking news, WABC. And on the line with us right now is General David Petraeus. And I know that there's been some major developments uh, regarding a flagship of Russia's Black Sea fleet. Hi, General. Hi, good to be with you. So tell us, what do you know? The ship has been sunk, huh? It has, yeah. I mean, it's really quite refreshing when the 
Russians actually are as forthright as they have been in this case to report that this ship actually sunk uh, en route to their port at Sevastopol in Crimea. Uh, so this is the flagship of the Black Sea Fleet, sunk by a Ukrainian-made Neptune anti-ship missile. Uh, so quite an extraordinary achievement for the Ukrainians. And the real significance of this, besides just the enormous blow to Russian pride and so forth, is that this pushes the Russian ships way offshore to where they can't, they probably cannot shell Odessa, the major port of Ukraine in the southwest part of the country, directly on the Black Sea as easily as they would have otherwise. They were actually fairly close to it. There's an amphibious fleet that has Marines on it that, that were going to have been used to storm Odessa when Russian forces also came from the land side. They never even got halfway to Odessa, they were stopped. Uh, and so these ships have just continued to sit offshore. They're essentially also blockading the port. Uh, and this is going to push them much further out. These Neptune missiles have a range of somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 miles. So that's a pretty good distance uh, way over the horizon from Odessa. Uh, General, I mean, is Putin has to be totally uh, embarrassed. I mean, he doesn't have an army. He doesn't have uh, tanks. He doesn't. Have, I mean, what the heck is going on? I mean, did we realize at what point did we realize that the Russian army is non-existent? And, and it looks like if the Ukrainians can shoot down the, the, the Russian ship, it doesn't seem like their navy is very sharp either. Well, I think, again, what we're seeing is the Russians just continually and repeatedly underestimate Ukrainian capabilities. And I suspect they were sitting offshore there thinking they can't do anything to us, just as one of the Russian depots that's just on the other side of the border from Ukraine uh, was hit by Russian, by a Ukrainian special ops helicopters uh, several days back. This is Borogod. And uh, it caused a major fire there as well. So I think they've just underestimated from the very, very beginning. As you'll recall, of course, the main effort that they had, which was to take Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, topple the government and replace President Zelensky with a pro-Russian figure. That obviously never came close to happening because the Ukrainians stopped them well outside the city. Same in two other northern cities. And the Russians have withdrawn all those forces uh, after losing. It's now probably approaching tens of thousands. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 20,000 Russian soldiers killed uh, just wow. in the first seven weeks. Again, that's more than they lost in Af far more than they lost in Afghanistan uh, over nine years. It's over four times uh, what we lost in Iraq in 20 years. Now, let me caution you, though, uh, John, because there is a major Russian offensive in the offing. They are massing forces on the eastern side of the country. They have finally realized that you can't attack everywhere and achieve everything. You have to focus, and they are focusing on the southeastern part uh, of the country. Uh, I think that what President Putin would like to have is on the 9th of May, when you have the big uh, Victory Day parade from World War II celebration uh, in Moscow, that he'd like to be able to say, we have taken the southeastern part of the country. We have achieved a land bridge from Russia to Crimea. Uh, and this is an enormous uh, success and declare victory. Uh, but this could be a big challenge uh, for the Ukrainians. Uh, this, if the, it, particularly if the 
ground dries in that southeastern area. I've been down there several years ago uh, before COVID, obviously, uh, and that is much more conducive uh, to the offensive than was the area along which they were attacking north of Kiev. That was much more wooded. There's lots of urban sprawl. It's ideal for defenders. They couldn't get off-road there. The, the Russian tanks could get blocked pretty easily by Ukrainian defenses. Very different story if the trafficability off-road in the southeast is adequate uh, for these Russian tanks, track vehicles, armored uh, personnel carriers, and so forth. And that could be problematic. So the general, Ukrainians I, have been spectacular, but they still have got to stop them. So they have to have an obstacle plan. It has to be overwatched with fire. There have to be anti-tank mines, anti-personnel mines, and all the rest of that. So they, uh, Ed Cox here, so they're going to need uh, different tactics, the Ukrainians will, in order to be successful in the south as opposed to the tactics they used uh, in uh, around Kiev. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? It, it is. Uh, it, again, if the ground dries, by the way, it's been wet, so thankfully. Uh, and I'm not sure if the Russians are waiting deliberately for uh, dry ground so that they can go off-road. Uh, if you're stuck on the road, obviously, it's much easier to block, uh, to create obstacles. And they have to have a very substantial obstacle plan. And then it has to be overwatched, not just with, with eyes, if you will, or optics. It has to be overwatched with fire. So you've got to have – that's where you want to have your – anti-tank guided missiles. It's where you want to have your anti-aircraft guided missiles, thousands of which we have provided to them and they've proved very lethal, the Javelin and Stinger, respectively. You want to have mines. You want to force them to have to get out to clear the obstacles. Uh, you want to have these switchblade drones overhead at that time to hit uh, their engineers when they're trying to clear the obstacles. Again, it has to, this is a very complex defensive scheme that will be required because, again, if they just have momentum, it's really hard to stop uh, tanks that, have, that are really moving rapidly. Uh, it just There will be so many targets that they could just overwhelm the individuals. And keep in mind that the range of the Javelin is very impressive, at least 2,500 meters. Uh, but that, that's still 2,500 meters uh, away from somebody who has a machine gun that can reach out and hit you with that. Um, so, uh, again, this could be a pivotal battle in this war in Ukraine. What this, do you is why, hear? Candidly, this is why Zelensky is so concerned about getting everything he possibly can as quickly as he can. And you'll have seen that uh, there was an announcement yesterday of 800 million more dollars of security assistance from the United States with all kinds of systems that we're going to provide to him in addition to the already over $2 billion uh, over the course of the last couple of months. Any intelligence coming in of what the heck Putin is thinking? And I just want to add, too, according to Fox News, the CIA director, William Burns, said that Chinese President Xi Jinping is a silent partner with Putin. What have well, you heard, General Petraeus? Well, let's, let's, well, let, let's, let's talk about what President Putin is up to. Uh, look, he, along with his entire intelligence community and military leadership, completely and utterly underestimated the capabilities of the Ukrainians, who have been embarked on a years-long, ever since the uh, occupation of Crimea and the establishment of that separatist-controlled area of the southeastern part of Ukraine called the Donbass, uh, ever since then, they have been working very, very hard to professionalize, to improve their capabilities, to build up their armaments industry, and clearly this work is, is paying off. And we had a big role to play in that. 
Uh, we've had teams over there for many years, and we've also helped in a variety of different ways, including in cyberspace. Uh, all of that is very publicly known. And he then clearly also overestimated. You know, they've gotten used to basically uh, sitting back in Syria. In fact, this new commander, Russian commander, the overall commander, was the commander of Syria. It's called the Butcher of Syria is his nickname because he oversaw that brutal campaign in 2016 uh, that essentially destroyed Aleppo. He screwed it. The Russians screwed up big time. General, thank you so much for bringing all the American people up to date, and thank you for everything you've done for America. Continue to speak out for America. Thank you so much. No, always a pleasure, John. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take that break. We're overdue for a break. The control room is yelling at us. Do you know the owner or something to make him stop yelling at us? (laughs) We're going to talk about getting New York (laughs) open again. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. It's a beautiful studio, but unfortunately, as we're looking out on Midtown, it's empty. Where is everybody? What about the tourists? At one point, we had 66 million tourists, and now, I don't know. What are we hearing? How many we have so far? I know COVID uh, well, killed the tourists. Mr. Yes, let's Mr. ask Harris Tom, know better Tom Harris. He is that's the pre- he's the president and COO of the Times Square Alliance. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me, Lydia and John. Well, I'll tell you where all the tourists are. They're in Times Square. Yesterday, we had 286,000 people in Times Square, and that's the second highest Wednesday since, since March 11th, 2020. That's, that's, that's great news, Tom. That's fantastic. Thank you, Judge. So now, Tom, what about the crime? What are you hearing? Is there anybody in the subways? I understand. Before we had the problems, we only had 57%. 57% in the subways? Yeah. No, 57% of what the uh, normal was. Yeah, that's what he... Right. Well, John, we certainly have have problems that we need to address. And as, as Lydia mentioned earlier, it's important for us to acknowledge that regardless of us still being one of the safest cities, that we need to address um, some some of the challenge that we have to, to restore the sense of security and send a clear message that the action, that actions have consequences and criminals are going to be punished to what, to what Michael Goodwin said, we need to show our police that we, we support them and uh, demand that our politicians support the police. I know Tony Carbonetti, who we have on here at Cats and Night, he used to encourage his two daughters, teenage daughters to take the subway. Now he says over my dead body, are they going to take the subway and we need the subways so how vital is it that we get these subways safe and that crime is under control in order to bring New York City back? So, look, I think the subways are very important. We have we have employees who take the subway every day. I'm, I'm on I'm on the subway as I travel through the city. And what I choose to focus on is not on the evil of one person on Tuesday. That was overshadowed by the goodness and heroism of many from the people who rendered aid to the injured, to the citizens and to law enforcement who helped capture the offender. I think we showed the world what makes our city great and why we are going to rebound. So, yes, we have challenges in the subway. I think Mayor Adams is saying the right things and doing the right things, and we need to support him. Tom, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Uh, a lot of people may not know that you were an NYPD inspector for many, many years. What advice would you be giving at this point to keep our neighborhood safe? So I think we can't rely on the old 
solutions to our problems. But what we can learn from the past is we need a proactive approach. It's been said that we can't arrest our way out of this, but we can't ignore the problems that exist on the street. We have to come up with proactive strategies to deal with the people with mental health challenges. We need to have proactive strategies to deal with the unhoused on our street. And we need to have proactive strategies that, that support law enforcement. We finally have a mayor that shows up, steps up, and speaks out. And we need, we need to show him that we're not going to criticize him. We're going to step into the arena, and we're going to fight with him to ensure that all who live and work in our city are safe. I just feel like if you look at even this, the streets and the graffiti, what can we do? Well, as I, we- I drove by uh- uh, 59th Street the other day, 57th Street, where Trump's building was, or still mm-hmm. is. And I think Black Lives Matter th- painting on the street is gone. Really? I haven't been over there. Finally But gone. driving in, I come through the Bronx, and you see all along the Deegan just trash, and you see all this graffiti. It's like we've given up on our, what was a beautiful, broken, beautiful broken city. Broken window, the key thing everybody has to recognize, we know exactly what we have to do. You have to have effective law enforcement. You have to have prosecutors who who prosecute. You have judges who take a responsibility. And you have to get a city council and a state legislature who supports law enforcement and keeping the city safe. Broken windows theory, quality of life policing worked. And you got to go back to the basics. There's no mysteries here. What do you think? I agree with you. And all of a sudden, broken windows became a pejorative term. And I, I would like to invite people to reimagine broken windows for for 2022. And that's finding 2022 solutions to the problems and deal with them um, as as they come up. We're not going to arrest our way out of the problems, but we can't ignore them. Lydia, to your point, graffiti is a sign that a neighborhood doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And in Times Square, we have graffiti removed within four hours of us observing it. We have a great team of public safety and sanitation workers who are out, who who observe the graffiti, and then we have people who remove it. That is a sign that a neighborhood cares, and a neighborhood that works together is going to be a neighborhood that works, and we need to be a city that works together to work again. Amen. Tom Harris of the uh, Times Square Alliance, thank you so much, and come back anytime. Thank you. I love listening to you. Big fan. Thank you for all you do for the city, everyone. You, you are what's going to make the city recover, you and your listeners. Thank you, yeah, Thank John you so Katz Matidis. When we come back, we got more to talk about. We'll be right back. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. And Ed Cox, you're here. We want a, the latest on the whole redistricting lawsuit. What's the latest? A lot happening now. We won big in the trial court. Uh, the supermajorities of Democrats in the legislature are trying to make sure they lock in those supermajorities. So there's a veto-proof legislature for the next 10 years. And uh, it is headed up to the highest court in the state, the Court of Appeals, which was appointed by a Democrat. Every one of the seven judges on that court was appointed by Andrew Cuomo. On the other hand, it is seen as... So if you, if you have a complete Democratic judges... Are they going to do the right? I I hope they do the right thing. Well, the and court do whatever of, whatever is honest, fair, and square. No, that the court of appeals is the most prestigious common law court in the United States, maybe in the world, 
And when you are appointed to that, I did I did it for 19 years. I, Who are the three judges on there now? Uh, seven judges. Seven, seven judges. judges. Seven, seven judges. judges. We have uh, a three-judge panel next week on the 20th in the appellate division. Right. Is that correct? It's going to appellate division, but it'll get very quickly up to the Court of Appeals, which will make the final decision on whether we have fair, competitive districts here in and New York in the legislature. All seven judges vote. That. We'll have to see what they do. Now, wow. Ed Cox, you said you took the train in. Yes. What did you notice? Uh, I Well, I was on the subway twice today. No cops. After what happened on it's Tuesday, crazy. the attack on the subway. It's you crazy. think they I would mean, be me flooding. And, uh, me and David Patterson were yelling and screaming we should have a cop on every platform and a cop on, uh, on every subway. Well, if there's anybody that knows subways, it's Curtis Sliwa and safety. Curtis, why why can't we just have a cop on every platform? Because we don't have enough cops. Remember, they took a billion dollars out of the police budget, not Eric Adams. We're talking Mayor de Blasio and the city council. No one has ever put it back. So remember, you have limited resource with limited personnel. A lot of cities are coming to New York to recruit our cops. Look at what Suffolk County did. They took 70 of our cops. Florida, Washington, D.C., early retirements. And even Eric Adams, when he visited Chicago at a uh, crime conference, said we're going to have to lower the standards. High school graduates now should be accepted because we can't find enough recruits. So we're running into a really serious situation. The I'll dub it the Katsimatidis Patterson Bipartisan <laughs> Commission. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. A cop on every train going up and down, a cop on every platform can be done three shifts a day. But they can't be clumped up. What you see are the cops are always clumped up, and they're always on their cell phones. So you know, having been part of uh, law departments, when you're doing e-attorney work, you have to lock up your phones. You get it at the end of your shift because they don't want you stealing any intellectual information. The cops should have to lock up their cell phones during their shifts so that they're not tempted to be going onto their personal Facebook pages, texting, and all that. Because they're always looking into their phones. Curtis, Curtis how, do they, how do they call for backup if they don't have radios? Ever? They have their radios. Oh, now, okay. You see, all fortunately, right. their radios work. Not the cameras in the subways, but, I heard but that the, the police radios I, work. I heard one of the cops, his radio wasn't working, so not only were the cameras not working. Well, that, was, that turned out to be a bogus report. Okay, okay, okay. Right. So the cameras, did we figure out what happened? Uh, what they're claiming now is an internet failure. They haven't worked for years. They haven't worked for the last two years. have been report after report. Well, what's that expression we have? They're full of... <laughs> I guess we don't have it. <laughs> okay. They're uh, full of crap. Look, yeah. bodegas oh. have better functional cameras in their stores. Almost, bodegas have... Infra- uh, we're almost yeah, exactly. Exactly. hero. Curtis Lima, thank you for everything you do for New York City and for WABC, always broadcasting Curtis. And uh, Judge Weinberg, thank you. Ed Cox, Governor Patterson, Lydia Serrano. And we have some breaking news of our own. That me and Lydia are going to be hosting. It'll be instead of Bernie and Sid tomorrow. It's going to be Cats and Lydia. (laughs) Cats and Lid. Cats and Lid. Cats and Lid. I also wanted to give a shout out to that guy Zach, who pointed called the Crime Stoppers on that guy, and also twenty-seven-year-old Hokari Benkata. He also helped. He a pregnant woman. He hugged her to protect her, and he got shot in the back, so she wouldn't get shot. God bless New York. God bless America. See you six o'clock in the morning. Get up. Set your alarm clock and listen to Cats Cats and and Lid.